so-called masterpiece of reality. Riff after riff after riff after riff. Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This is a special about Black Sabbath's Master of Reality and I thought it'd be interesting to get some voice clips now, uh, something that people have suggested to do and I thought it was a great idea. I'm trying to figure out the logistics of, of doing that but I thought it'd be nice to, to lead in there with Dave Lees uh, currently playing guitar in Raging Speedhorn, the sleaze himself and uh, thanks for that clip. That, I might as well not do the rest of the episode because that clip perfectly sums up the album that we're going to talk about and listen to together Black Sabbath's Master of Reality why do it now? well it's 50 years old it's 50 years old Black Sabbath's Master of Reality is 50 years old such a benchmark for for metal and the you know Doom and Stoner and all the, the, the sort of permutations that we now take for granted uh, most of them started with this with this album uh, black sabbath potentially it's arguable created heavy metal with their first album but with master of reality they really pushed outwards and we'll get into that and we'll get into why i think maybe that that was the case um it's important probably to to look at master of reality it, it, a little bit of context here so it's released uh, the 21st of July, 1971, and, and it's the third album for them on, on Vertigo. But it's a time in, in the 70s and 71 where their peers, if you will, are bringing out like Deep Purple's bringing out Fireball, um, UFO, and Zeppelin. Uh, Zeppelin uh, all have albums out, Yes, and the Yes album and, and Fragile are all coming out. Everything's kind of pushing the envelopes of what you can do with rock music. Uh, the Beatles have broke up before... Uh, the year before, and Hendrix had passed away, and Morrison was going to pass away later on in the year. It was a really interesting time, seventy-one, where everything was felt almost transitional as we kind of left the the sixties and moved into the seventies, and then drugs became even more ever present. It moved maybe from psychedelics to to things like cocaine, as we'll no doubt talk about, and 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 things like that, and and weed, and and, and what have you, and obviously sweet leaf, and we'll get into all that that comes with that. But it's the third album for Sabbath, so it's obviously the first album, self-titled Black Sabbath, seminal piece of work, recorded in very little, little time, a little money. And then we move to Paranoid, and Paranoid essentially is the album that, that breaks Sabbath. You know, War Pigs and, and obviously Paranoid. It, it, it means that they now have a much bigger audience, they have much bigger tours, they effectively, effectively, if you will, break uh, uh, America with that. So there was the expectations were really high for, for for Master of Reality, really high in so much as the this could be uh, a make or, or or break type of type of album for them because they, they've got the the world by its throat, if you will. And so coming out in seventy one, there's there's you know there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of great bands doing some great stuff, and they really had to shine. They really had to prove they went a, a, a flash in the pan. I think are really they went one one hit wonders or one or two hit wonders, and they really had some sense of purpose and really had some depth into what they were doing. Um, so, I mean, it debuts at, like, number five in the UK charts and eight in the US is testament to how how successful it was. And we'll get on to that. You know, it eventually ended up being double platinum, over two million albums sold. So, we, you know, it can definitely, we can say that it was successful in that respect. But let's, let's like I say, let's apply a little bit of context here then. So it was recorded between sort of February and April uh, 71 and Island Studios, Psalm Studios, uh, is established by Chris Brackwell. Um, and it's a sound and recording mobiles type of place in Notting Hill. It's formerly a renovated church and this has had people, uh, King Crimson, Bad Company Maiden, uh, Led Zeppelin uh, doing four, uh, The Clash, uh, you know, Jethro Tull's Aqualung, um, Queen's News of the World, and We Are the Champions, and, and elements of Bohemian Rhapsody and stuff are all are all recorded here. Um, you know, it started as a twenty-four track studio, moved up to be a forty-eight. I mean, as a sidebar, uh, in nineteen eighty-four, do they know it's Christmas is recorded there? Uh, so it's a really, you know, it's it's a high, the point being is it's it's a high quality 
venue, it's a high quality uh, area, you know, where it can be, you know, all your t- all your tools are at, dis- are at your disposal. You can't blame the, the the lack of equipment or the desk or anything like that. These are all taken off the table, and you're allowed to be Sabbath. You're allowed to do without in the confines of what you have. You're allowed to do almost whatever you want, um, and that's when you know, producer uh, Roger Bain comes into into the picture. Now, obviously. Roger's done the, the the first the first albums and what have you. He's worked with Priest and or Rock and Roller and Budgie in the seventies. And, and and this isn't a guy that's you know that that's a quiet producer that just sits behind and lets the guys do. He he does what a, a producer should do. We make make suggestions and ideas about which way they should go with things and provides a, a sounding board. And he's definitely not a a, a quiet. Sort of voice. I mean, if you look about it on Priest's Rock and Roller, he takes off the Ripper and Caviar and Meths. Um, uh, is reduced from ten minutes to two minutes. Um, you know, and 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 these kind of turn up on on other albums or what have you. Hero, Hero uh, after Priest split with Gull. Um, you know, it's he's obviously been used to dealing with people and going, I don't think this, and I think you should do this, and I think you should do that. So it's he's a strong, strong um voice. You know, it's weird. Like there's little things like. He played the the mouth harp on Sleeping Village, um, and and so he's very much a you know it feels hands on in a good way in a good way as a producer should be, um, and it's recorded live much like the the very first album, and I think that that's a feel thing. You know you have to you have to understand a lot of bands return to playing live to to keep hold of that feel. Metallica did it with with several albums, particularly with Death Magnetic, where they played for the most part live to try and get that push and pull that you have with the guitarist and the drummer that's so vital to a to a, to a band's sound um released on on vertigo you know which the company started in 69 and that black spiral um you know it was replaced with this with a kind of a spaceship in in 73 but that's like that's synonymous it's almost as you know it's almost like a logo for a band in in itself um, and and these is almost a European outlet Vertigo, you know, for like Bon Jovi, Rush, and, and Kiss, um, and it, like I imagine, well, Sabbath were the heaviest band on their books. I mean, you had Uriah Heep, who you know did very heavy, very humble, but certainly Sabbath were the heaviest band on their books. And I get the feeling that maybe they were almost semi on the outside of things as well. You know, semi not like the the, the lead. Thing to focus on their lead band, uh, but I think that probably changed. I mean, catalog number sixty three sixty oh five oh for for all the, the 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 vinyl collectors out there, and it's interesting when uh, you know when you go back and you look at some of the ways that they approached the album. You know, Bill Ward uh, to to quote uh, previously, we didn't have uh, no, a clue what to do in the studio. And relied heavily on Roger, um, but this time we were a lot more together. Understand uh, what was involved, understand what understood what was involved, and were more opinionated on how we think how things were done. And that's that's a real overarching thing about the, this this album from a production point of view. Interestingly, it was engineered by uh, our, our friend Tom Ollum, uh, now synonymous with Priest. But he was the engineer on this, and it and it speaks to that as well. It speaks to the quality of the recording, which is one of the best, you know, one of the best Sabbath recorded records for me. It's it's this or it's Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, or Black Sabbath. It's one of those as part of the 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 the, the, the best stuff that Sabbath uh, uh, that ever done. And it's it's at this time that you know. They're coming off paranoid and they've got success, so it's uh, uh, it's the introduction of drugs for a large part. Um, before the indulgence, I would say as well. So this was when drugs were, were almost a very useful tool to that, and people often forget that. You know, the, the, sometimes these drugs came from a wanting to escape, a wanting to relax, a wanting to play for longer, play bigger tours, biggest longer shows. That came sort of from that. And then obviously it became more of a crutch and then people leaned into it. And then that's when obviously it, it destroyed Ozzy before he, he went solo. And one of the one of the leading factors about why he, he leaves Sabbath in the first place. But it's interesting as well what Bill Ward says. He says, um, I won't pretend there weren't uh, always drugs around because we were getting into those sorts of things. He goes on to say, but back then, we still had control over these habits or those habits. I could keep my drinking and drugging right down in the studio. 
so it didn't affect my playing. Um, and it goes on to say, you know, with the third album was more important, working the third album was more important than getting out of our heads. So there was still this, like, we want to be successful, we want to be good, we want to, you know, it, drugs weren't the, the leading factor, they were just fuel, if you will, they were just part of a, of, of a process. Um, and then we get onto the title of, of Master of Reality, why, what, what, where the hell does that come from? And it, it, it's only, once again, Bill, Bill Ward talks an, an awful lot, and it's very quotable for this album, it's, it's, it's very keen that he was, he, I think this is probably his favourite album, I don't want to put words into your mouth, Bill, but I'm pretty sure this was probably his, his one of, certainly some of his finest work, um, and he goes to say, it was either Geezer or Ozzy who came up with it, not sure which one, but it was really just a way of telling everybody that we hadn't lost touch with our roots and we were still four guys with our feet on the ground. We still did most things together, including drinking. Often when we think of Sabbath, we think of the end of Sabbath or the beginning of Sabbath. We think of the end when Ozzy's getting sacked and, and Dio is brought. We think about that sort of part or we think about the very first inception of it. We don't think that there was a time when this was a, a, a super cohesive unit, a super... Um, group of guys that, that knew how to play well together, knew what they wanted to do and really lent into each other and really helped each other get where they need to be. Really cohesive band. And they were superb. You know, there's, there's like, like our friend David says, there's, there's riff after riff on this. This was them really working together. And, and so him to say that you know it, it, there was drinking going on, it seems like it was just a, a side thing and not a, a, a. As it moved, it became more important to think. Certainly to Ozzy, maybe you know, to the other guys as well. You know, I, I, Naomi and Butler always talk about you know drugs and drinking and stuff, and they were partying as well. You know, let's not forget that day. You know, a lot gets hung on Ozzy. That he, he's not. He's like the only guy that's doing. It. Of course he's not. Of course he's not. But he was kind of the the the, the, the leading the charge with that, and and obviously you know an argument could be put forward that he. He he wrecked everything because of that, you know, and he and he and he possibly did, and and you know that's a whole other chapter and a whole other thing we can talk about, and we will do. I think I'll revisit some of Ozzy's work as part of this um, listening thing that I do as well, because I think there's some you know very important albums from that respect, as well as latter you know Sabbath records, you know, from like Technical Ecstasy and Never Never Say Die, and then and onwards, um, you know, to to Mob Rules and things like that. So it's it's interesting that what some of the things that Ward says about how. It wasn't a leading factor, and they really wanted to prove something. They still felt that they needed to prove something. What's uh, the other sort of interesting factor here is the is the artwork. You know, the first editions, if you have some of the first editions, have that embossed lettering, but then future editions would would grey out the uh, the title Master of not grey out, but grey the, the title Master of Reality. Um, and I only says it is like slight, slightly Spinal Tapish, only well before that Spinal Tap. And you know, if you if you have the record, the swirl label um is on, on on side A is reversed the black and white and the curves on it and vice versa on, on the other side as well, which is which is interesting where the everything was starting to get a little bit experimental. And it, it what what's interesting is most of all, I think, for the recording of it, and certainly the records that you listen to, is that is the time of how long that album is. You can say it's three, 34 minutes and six seconds or 29 seconds or 35 seconds. And what this comes down to is a very interesting thing where the there's only eight songs on the album. And I think that, you know, certainly in the North American editions, they have subtitles to appear longer. And by that, I mean, for example, the intro to After Forever is called The Elegy uh, or Elegy. Um, the outro to Children of the Grave is called The Haunting. The intro to Lord of This World is called Step Up. And the intro to Into the Void is called, fabulously, uh, Death Mask. Um, and so it's and it's also listed as Master of Reality, not Masters. Uh, sorry, Masters of Reality, not Master of Reality, which is which is just a fascinating thing. I think they just wanted to add, you know, in that case, another four, four songs to make it like, you know, the usual 10 to 12 songs. This is a precursor some would say to to that progressive metal well it is a, a precursor to progressive metal where by progressive metal was seen um you know, like what like you know you go have to go all the way back to like zapper and hot rats where there's an entire track on one side and stuff and the things that, that yes we're starting to do 
and, and Zeppelin was starting to do, and Tull for that matter, was starting to expand these ideas and really kind of change things around about what you could do with expectations. So if you have the North American editions, you'll you, you'll you'll have a lot more tracks, but it is actually the, the, the same album. But if you look at the spacing of it, that adds to the seconds, um, which is just a really interesting <laughs> interesting way of releasing and and then you go to to Spotify and and you're streaming things and that obviously doesn't exist anymore. So it's a weird timestamp of what it was like during. And they were, in the seventies, they were still messing with things like gatefolds and how to record albums. And it was still it was the wild west still. And I think that Master of Reality was one of those ones where they um, are fully adopted that they fully adopted um, how to change and mess around with the the. They, the way they say it there. Um, and once again, you know, Ward says, Bill Ward says, you know, Master of Reality was an exploratory album. Uh, on the first album, we had two days to, to do everything and, and not much more time for Paranoid. But now we could take our time and try out different things. We were embracing the opportunity. Tony threw in classical parts. Geezer's bass was virtually doubled in power. I went for a bigger drum feel, also experimenting with overdubs. And Ozzy was so much better. But this was one of the first times we didn't have gigs booked in and we could just focus on making the album a landmark. That's what they were. That's what they wanted to do here. They wanted to make the album a landmark. And arguably, it was what it is and was successful. And it's only really now that when we look back, we realise just how much of a landmark it was. And it's interesting when he talks about Iomi and the stuff that he's done and the stuff that Geezer's done. And obviously much can be talked about, about Tony Iommi, his accident where he loses the tops of his fingers, gets told he can never play again, fucks that off and basically gets washing up liquid plastic, melts it down to make sort of fingertips for him, lowers the uh, the, the, the string gauges, uh, slackens the tuning to make it all play about. And that is all well documented. And anybody listening to this with even the passing knowledge of Sabbath will know that that's the case. But there's also, that's the starting point. There's also an impetus, you know, Tony tunes down, you know, one and a half steps, C sharp. Um, and he wants it because he wants a bigger, heavier sound. Yes, he started to look at things because of the, the injury he had and the accident he had. But he wanted a bigger, heavier sound, and he knew how to get that. He knew that in order to make things sound larger, he had to do this type of thing. So even Geezer, Geezer downtunes too and, and approaches the bass. You know, recently I was listening to some isolated bass parts from Master of Reality, and it is it's almost orchestral what he's doing with the bass there. And and speaking in guitar for the practice and musician in '94, uh, Geezer Butler says, um, then it got to be a point where we were we tuned down lower to make it easier vocal-wise, but Ozzy would then sink higher, so it sort of defeated the object. I would argue it maybe didn't defeat the object. It kind of just leaned into all those things. You know, Bill Ward talks you know, obviously quite a lot about Ozzy's voice being one of those guys who can only sing in, in space, if you will, if you only sing with lots of space around him when nothing's going on. He's brilliant at doing that. But I think it just pushed Ozzy further into his higher range. That's a confidence thing, that. Um, and certainly for all of them, they all were all each member of the band were all operating the best they could, but also pushing themselves to operate the best they could too. And that really comes across with Master of Reality. Really comes across because there's some wonderful lights and shades and colours to to what they're doing. And what it does is then it it, it underlines the the heaviness, you know, the the intro into the void and things that are just are just are even more heavy because of the the shades that they put up. They do, they do a certain thing on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath as well, with fluff and things like that. And it was just this lovely lights and shades. So considering there's only eight songs, they cover an enormous amount of sonic sonic territory. And so we get some singles from, from this, Children of the Grave um, and uh, Solitude After Forever. Uh, so, sorry, Solitude's the B-side of Children of the Grave After Forever, uh, with B-side being Fairies Wear Boots, interestingly. And so... Now this is the time to, for Sabbath to 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 take the the rightful place as uh, metals inventors or certainly heralds, and with Master of Reality, it's very clear that that's exactly what they did. A superb album produced by a band at the height of its powers in a quality environment with quality production and crew, with the willingness to experiment. Um, 
and it, it's it's bands that do that that really get the most out of what they want to do when they approach the studio. Yes, they have their songs, but they're also willing to experiment with sampling and stuff like that and different textures. And that's when a band gets the most most out of what I think uh, they should be doing in a studio. It's nice now. I'll just do a quick clip here from uh, a previous guest on multiple times and the lead guitarist and singer of the band Reaper, Daniel Moran. For me, Masters of Reality is the Sabbath album. Like, if you wanted to introduce someone to Black Sabbath to go, hey, this is exactly what like, you're in for, Masters of Reality is exactly that. The sort of lengthier tracks with those tempo drops in the middle, those huge heavier moments and things like Children of the Grave, that huge sort of bulky intro to Into the Void and that sort of groovy guitar riffing that goes on afterwards. The interlude and tracks like Embryo and Solitude and Orchid and Orchid kind of breaking the disc up with these mini acoustic parts, similar to the sort of Django influences that Tony Iommi had from long before even the first disc. It's all there, like everything that would set up the next four Sabbath albums would bring in at that moment. And while I think the first two discs had definite moments of it, Masters of Reality is the first one that sounds like they're doing it consciously and not because they're just kind of riding on a vibe like they did with Paranoid. Um, I'd say Masters of Reality is absolutely the starting place for any good Sabbath fan. Daniel Moran there with the uh, voice clip. We, I, I'm trying to get these so the the better quality and mess around with doing how we're going to do that. What I think I will do is launch uh, a Discord channel so we can do this and, and have more from you, the listener. A lot of people have got back to me with their, their opinions on albums and stuff, and I want that to be heard. And I think it's a vital part of of what happens with 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 the, the spoken metal show. But I, I love to hear that. So they finish the album and go out on tour this is 14 months uh 22 day tour in 72 and it's really a nice way to go before we go into actually listening to to the album i think bill ward really sums it up here when he uh when he talks and looking back at the album when he talks about it i think he really sums up kind of the attitude that they had going in it's nice to leave the final word with bill ward really before we actually listen and and sit down with the album and he said looking back on the album I always look at the first three albums as being part of the same time period for us. But for me, it was Master of Reality that proved how good we'd become. The band have sort of reached a pinnacle with it. And they had. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to sit down with the album. We're going to listen with you. I'll pepper it with some bits and pieces I think are of interest. And we'll see what we think. We're going to listen to it in full. Spend uh, an enjoyable 35 minutes, if you will, 34 minutes listening to what I believe is one of the greatest metal albums of all time. So let's sit down with the album and, and listen to it and enjoy a, a wonderful 35 minutes of, of, of unquestionably some of the best stuff that Sabbath's ever done. We open with Sweet Leaf before I, I drop the needle, if you will. Um, and it's interesting about that. It's, it's all a bit, as Ozzy says, it's about all the dope they've been smoking. Um, and it's Iomi coughing at the beginning. Um, in between while he was doing some classical takes on some with uh, the classical guitar, he ends up uh, taking a toke and coughing. And as Iommi says, we all played uh, Sweet Leaf Stoned. Of course they did. Uh, But then Iommi also says, I do remember um, writing Sweet Leaf in the studio. I'd just come back um, from Dublin and had these cigarettes called Sweet Sweet Ashton, which you could only get in Ireland. Uh, On the lid, it says it's the sweetest leaf that gives you the taste. And so from that, you get Sweet Leaf. <laughs> um, so it's, I didn't want to do that. It's hard as well when I do these things. I don't want to talk too much over what is unquestionably some of the greatest playing of all time. But sometimes these little stories are, are, are fantastic. So we're going we're gonna to drop the needle on um, Black Sabbath's Master of Reality. So I don't know what signal I should give. Uh, I don't know if you give. It shouldn't be a, a lighten up of a spliff or, uh, or whatever drug of truth it is you'd wish to take. Um, that's fine. Um, I think it's probably just going to be me saying um, something like Sharon. No, no, that won't be that. So what I'll do is I'll just say we're going to drop the the, the needle now and uh, click play on Black Sabbath's Master of Reality. We're at the zeros, if you will, um, and we're pressing play now. If ever there was a if ever there was anything getting shot into space to say, this is what Sabbath is, this is what Sabbath is. It wrote in the studio, uh, five minutes, five seconds long. 
it's so simple, isn't it? It's so simple now when you go back and listen to it. Everything that they're playing is very, very condensed and very simple. That's Iomi's genius, isn't it, really, that he could take a riff and have all that space in between and just create these huge down-tuned riffs. How heavy. Still, still. Fifty years old. <laughs> so did a, a lovely play in there, Giza. Just in absolutely no rush to get the deal done with this song, are they? The extra sort of overdubbing there, just to accentuate the riff. And Ozzy not feeling the need to put a load of stuff in there. And this is a precursor to, you know, all those songs about drug use, you know, Mr. Brownstone with Guns N' Roses and stuff, Personal Jesus, Depeche Mode, and, you know, drugs are obviously right the way through rock and metal, and it makes sense to talk about them, it makes sense to sing about them, because they very clearly were an influence. Just sounds like an entire steel mill, doesn't it? Tony Iommi sound. It's an entire steel mill of guitar. And I've seen this played on guitar at least wrong as well. as the very different interpretations of this song, like um, all, all, all some quite a few of them wrong. Um, it's only when you see Iommi playing it how different it is. To the, the sort of gong thing that the the award and but see all this like oh it is a gong I don't think it is actually it sounds like it's just like larger symbols ah it crashes yeah and that wonderful ability then to go off and do this kind of like Iommi's not known for his soloing. A lot of times, he, a lot of people get down on, on Iommi, particularly like uh, on Paranoid Solo, and they say that he's not a greatest of solos. I think he's perfect for it. I think he's... It's that riff. Do, 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 do. And, they, and, and subsequently, we, from that, we get Stoner and Doom Metal. You're welcome. Unbelievable. How many times has this, has this a joint been rolled on a Black Sabbath album? It's and or how many how much whiskey's been consumed listening to this album? How much cocaine's been snorted off this album? huge just even now listening back it's absolutely huge There's nothing else you could do with that song. There's nothing you could add. There's nothing you could take away. It is, in many ways, perfect. They talk about those perfect metal songs. That is it. And then we go into to After Forever. Five minutes, 26. Uh, lyrics by Giza Butler and, and the synth and stuff and the music by, by Iomi. 
and you know, the opening line, you know, have you ever thought about your soul? Can it be saved? These are huge, big topics to, and open subjects that Sabbath wants to talk about. Great riff. Interestingly, that um, Striper cover this Striper cover on I think on Fallen because it does cover like Christianity and Christian themes. You know, if there's a devil, there's got to be a god. You know, right? It's that kind of forward, progressive pushing feel to this song. That's solid, that riff, in every way. We've already had about like four or five riffs. Now we're only on the second song. And this great line now. Would you like to see the Pope on the end of a rope? Do you think he's a fool? That's almost rock and roll, isn't it? Listen to Geezer's bass. Oh, my life. Lyrically, this is, you know, this this is them really kind of going through a lot of stuff there. Like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of massive concepts, and there's a, certainly a connection between when bands break through and create their best stuff with when they engage in huge, more um, uh, world topics, life and death, heaven and hell. I think it was true. It was people like you that crucified Christ, my hero worship and all that type of thing. It's fantastic. I love that a gear shift that, that Sabbath do so often where they kind of take the original song and now they often run with this like kind of sections. Um, just what a, a bed that the Butler and Ward create for Iomi there. Lots of this this secret with riffs is space, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? So that's a that, there's, there's elements of progression in that. There's elements of doom. There's elements of stoner. and It's everything in it. I don't think they even knew <laughs> just how influential this would be. <laughs> Butler there. Wonderful stuff. Then we go into Embryo, which uh, 
that kind of almost medieval. Amazing. So, Children of the Grave for me, I I grew up more on um, the Randy Rhodes version um, on tribute, um, and it, you know that that was the that was my version mainly because of Randy's playing. But you know, it, it, going back and listening to this, there's so much going on in this. The album version's five seventeen, the single version three forty seven. You know, White Zombie covered this, and uh, you know, Rakeser X did as well on technical difficulties. And uh, um, Ozzy reckons that this is the most kick-ass song we've ever recorded, and he might be right. It's the it, even more the paranoid. I find this is it is more of a not a pop song so much, but more of a, a yeah, but a, a pop song. I'll, I'll maybe say that is it. But I thought that this was you know going back to the the, uh, the musical tropes of of war and conflict and that type of thing. Um, it's so simple, again, but just a great piece of writing. Oh, listen to what Ward's doing there. Just absolutely in the pocket there. Amazing. Everybody kind of just doing very varying shades of the main riff, but collectively it's just unbelievable. It's interesting when you listen back to to albums and you have the the sections taken out, your isolated tracks of bass or Aussie's vocals or whatever, and you realise as great as they are collectively, it's 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 where it's where it really is at. Lovely work with the drums to do. Just that movement and energy. Classic Sabbath. And then fucking riff. And there's there's Doom. (laughs) Done for you. There's lots of stuff underlying that you're not hearing as well. Only when you listen back to it now, you realise there's way more going on. Absolutely solid. So what he's doing with the drums there, way over above. It's interesting that this is one of the songs that Ozzy takes over into his solo career, isn't it? That he chose this and, and Iron Man you know, the, uh, as the songs he wanted to kind of... I'm paranoid for that matter. He must have really been a fan of this. Hence he said, you know, it's his most kick-ass song they've done. Um, it's a real... Yeah, it's everything's in there. I mean, what's, what's amazing about the last three songs in Embryo as well is that they are on their own. They're Black Sabbath. The fact that the one after the other on an album is just unreal. But yeah, like I said before, like a lot of people are down on on IME solo, and I think it's perfect for this. And yeah, that that's very IOMI that. That the drums crushing. And then the bass just sliding all over the place. Beautiful stuff. He loves those unison bands. Just like the whole thing explodes at the end. <laughs> Fabulous. If you are listening to us on vinyl, you, you, it's just the, 
This is the point you were thinking about starting to switch over. All that kind of weird sort of messing around in the studio create those dissonant weirdness. And then we go into the second instrumental, Orchid. Lovely. Amazing. And it really gets this weight, doesn't it? It really adds this texture to the whole album. That it's not just one sort of route. And then, you know, to come into the riff as well. I love you can hear the, the, the timber variations on the strings and stuff. And clearly a love for classical. Like uh, you know, a lot of the like Spanish and Fernando de Saw type of studies, and the stuff that interestingly, you know, what Randy would would bring it as well with things like D. And once again, it just creates this wonderful vibe before you're absolutely pummeled by the riff. You know, handling noise and stuff. <laughs> what can you say? Lord of this fucking world. Five minutes 25, just a. Fucking hell. Those no choices are just in, in, in metals canon, aren't they now? I'm doing that face now, you know, that face where you kind of look pissed off with you, like you grunt, because it's just a, it's that riff. I, I would argue this might be one of Ozzy's best vocal tracks on this album. Because he really digs in on the, on the words there. Never. Yeah, it's, I think it is. Just that colossus stoner <laughs> riffage. It's weird, isn't it, when you listen to Sabbath and you think it's like, you know, to the outside world, Sabbath's all the devil and worshipping the devil and, and black magic and, and all that type of thing. And, and in reality, it's they talk a lot about God and, and the other concepts. Like, you know, it's, inter it's just interesting that it's some of the slight misconceptions people have about Sabbath, what they're singing about as well. I love that when Sabbath do that. That's second gear. Listen to Geezer's playing. He's fucking, he's a beast on this album. This would be the, the centerpiece of most metal bands' albums, this song. And, it, and they just put it out as the, as the, you know, the second song on side two. We're 20 minutes into the album and you're getting this.
and something of a forgotten riff as well. I, I feel for, for Sabbath, we talk about the famous ones, but and it's definitely the same for like Into the Void. But this is just one of the main, many forgotten riffs. I feel not for me. Seems like a real journey, that song, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go out put put it out there to this. This is Ozzy's best vocal performance and lyrically it might be in there as well. This was this spawned so many bands, so many bands, in, in the same way that Metallica's Black Album did, and and spawned a whole load of garage bands. The 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 Black Album was it could it doesn't exist without Sabbath's Master of Reality. Master of Reality is the original Black Album, that crossover album that's huge and spawns a, 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 an innumerable amount of bands off the back of it. Solitude, uh, flute and piano on the song as well. And the instrumentation on this album superb, and this is really the height of that kind of exposition and exploration of their sound. This is, you know, later on we hear this in... Uh, your master puppets. I'm pretty sure they knew at the time, but they created the perfect song here to be completely out of your mind. And this is like, you know, this is where we get, you know, this is a, a the form of Planet Caravan as well. There's almost that kind of early Fleetwood Mac and early blues stuff going on here, which is obviously, you know, I Iomi's a huge fan of. If you didn't know Black Sabbath and you played this and you it it just feels like another world compared to the the Sabbath that you're forced to to hear. You know the the, the ones that everybody's like, oh, this is the best Sabbath song, and this is Black Sabbath. This is another shade to Sabbath. This is another thing that the yeah, shows just what a great and eclectic band it is, they are. 
It's almost like a meditation. There's a metal meditation. The world is a lonely place. You're on your own. Yes, I will go home. Sit down and moan. <laughs> And it lulls into almost a false sense of security because when this song ends, we go into one of the greatest Black Sabbath riffs of all time, simple and pure. And people say that they don't have depth and people say that they don't have scope in metal and scope in metal bands. Dimebag, Dal talked about Into the Void being one of his favourite riffs of all time and how he would just listen to the intro over and over again and with, with good notes as well because it is unbelievable as a riff. Into the Void, formerly known as Spanish Sid. You may not know what a house falling on you sounds like, but it does sound exactly like this. That's just... It's a continuation of the song Black Sabbath in many ways. And this coming in now... That's headbanging music right there. If you're not listening to this album right now and you're sitting rocking back and forth, banging your head, stop listening to this podcast and go and, and find another podcast. There's plenty out there, but that is, this is classic, classic heavy metal. Fucking riffs all over the place. It's so long before you even get to Ozzy singing. the slightest reprieve them right back into it It's like a fucking freight train. It's like an absolute fucking such power and movements by four guys. 
Some people might have been hearing metal for the first time when they heard this, like never heard a distorted guitar in, in any real sense, and then would have heard something like this and would have been fucking beside themselves. Fucking hell. You just don't fuck with that, do Crash. So simple. So simple. Peace and happiness in every day. Imagine most people would attribute lyrics like that to Black Sabbath. In fact, that's the last. If you think about it, that's the last thing they say on this record: peace and happiness in every day. <laughs> is that what people think Black Sabbath is? Probably not. There isn't an ounce of fat on that album. There's not a fat on that song, but there isn't an ounce of fat on this album at all. And they just take you home now. They just. They must have listened back to this and knew they'd created something particularly special. They must have. You know, when you, when you see magazines are saying play metal and learn how to play metal and metal styles and all that, you might as well just learn this entire album. Just learn this album. Done. Metal learned. Take like four chords of the truth, Master of Reality and Black Sabbath. It's a great guitar tone as well, I don't think I said that enough, like, with the solo stuff. Lovely riff there in the playing in the background by Geezer there. The fantastic Black Sabbath and Master of Reality. And I think you did you enjoy that, ladies and gentlemen? Did you enjoy that everybody? I certainly did. Uh, and and certainly when you go back and listen to these songs again, you realise just how rich they are with with, with with bits and pieces, not alone great riffs, but great recording as well. The fantastic Black Sabbath and Master of Reality. Hope you enjoyed listening to this album together. It's nice to, to look back at an album, maybe you think you've heard many, many times before, but in reality, uh, Master of Reality, you, you haven't really delved in it deeper and listened to all the very sort of intricacies of an album. So it's nice to go back and look at it and put it in historical context as well and just realise it, it is a great album. It is these are amazing musicians at the at the peak performance. But it's nice to just go back and listen and enjoy an album and, and detach from from society for a little bit and just and all the problems that have got you've got going on, the things that are going on in your life. Just sit and actually listen to an album from beginning to end. So I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have too. If I get something from it, you might go back and listen to the album again and go. Actually, there's a couple of songs I've never even heard before. Great. If you haven't even heard the album before, hopefully this has introduced you to it, which would be great too. I'd like to get some more voice clips of, of people send me and that's why i'm probably going to start the discord channel and do it that way but uh thanks for listening thanks for uh the comments that you've made on the show previously the last episode at liverpool university was fantastic and well received i appreciate all the messages from that if you do want to get in touch with the, the show you can contact us via our various social medias that are going on out there and i encourage you to do so we can we can choose maybe the next album that we listen in on as well i'll be at a show finally 
uh, this upcoming uh, weekend. I'll be at a show at the Outpost, which I'm really, really looking forward to. So I really genuinely can say this, that uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you at the show.